Welcome back to Coffee with Kojo, a podcast produced by the School of Communication and Journalism at South Dakota State University. My name is Dr. Rocky Daly, and I'm an associate professor in the school. This week, student host Sam Shower interviews new Kojo faculty member, Dr. Samantha Stanley. Sam got to speak with Dr. Stanley earlier this week. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Good to hear. All right. So, start with the basics. First question. Where are you from? I actually am from Sioux Falls. So, technically, I was born in Independence Bay, Missouri. But I have spent almost all of my childhood in Sioux Falls. So, I am a South Dakota native. Which one of the high schools did you go to? Were there, were there, there were, well, now there's like five of them, but were there only like three or four? Or? Yeah, when I went to high school, we did not have, obviously, this new high school that just opened. So I graduated from Washington High School. So I'm a proud Washington warrior. I played tennis there back in the day. I was on the school newspaper back at Washington. And gosh, yeah, I, I suppose that was about it. I enjoyed my time there. Where did you go to college exactly? So this, it's a little long. Um, I went to a lot of college. I actually did one year at St. Benedict St. John's in Minnesota, and I played tennis there. It was a D3 school. But I ended up transferring my sophomore year to the University of Arizona. I have a twin sister, and she had originally gone to University of Arizona to be a harp performance major. And when I went and visited in the middle of the Minnesota winter, I decided that I really needed to move to Arizona. So I moved to Tucson, which is where the University of Arizona is located. And I got my bachelor's there in communication for, I believe that was three more years. And I ended up really loving the field of communication, really interested in the different communication theories. And so I decided to stay and get my master's. So that was another two years down in Tucson. And from there, I decided that I really loved conducting research and I wanted to get a PhD in communication. So I'd looked at several schools, visited several schools, and I had sort of applied to the University of Maryland College Park on a whim. Again, I feel like a trend here is following my sister. Um, She was in Washington, D.C. getting her uh, law degree at Georgetown. And so I, you know, threw you Maryland in, applied there, got in, went and visited. And I really loved the campus. It's very East Coast with all the brick and university up on a hill. And I liked the faculty there as well. So I went to the University of Maryland and I spent four years there finishing my Ph.D. So I lived in Washington, D.C., during that time in the Capitol Hill neighborhood and just commuted out to Maryland for school. Wow, that's, that's a lot. So I'm also curious, was communication like always your major or were you like, in a, were you thinking about doing something else and then you realized, you know, I want to do communication? <laughs> yeah, so I distinctly remember being in high school and hearing that a friend was majoring in communication and just thinking, communication, like what, what, 
what is that? What kind of a major is that? So I initially went into my bachelor's declared a pre-med student, but I really do not like chemistry, it turns out. So I um, had taken some communication courses while I was at St. Benedict, St. John's. And then when I transferred to Arizona, they had a great communication program. And so I decided to just follow what I liked. And that was communication. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do with it, but I really enjoyed the classes and it kept my interest. And so I pursued that. Yeah, I hear you. For me, it was uh, biology. I was also like a pre-med student. (laughs) But we were able to we're able to connect on the communication side. Yeah, I think it's very tempting when you go into college to declare a major that has a direct pathway to employment, because so many people ask you, oh, what are you going to do with that? But following my passion, I think, turned out really well for me. I understand that you have done some research projects. Can you tell me about one of them? Sure. So, My specialty really is in health risk and crisis communication. And so while I was in Maryland in the D.C. area, I got to work on several different projects that were federally funded. So one of the projects that I was able to work on was funded by NOAA. So that was funded through a faculty member, and I got to work with her. We were looking at different National Weather Service field offices, so NWS field offices, and how employees in there who are mostly weather forecasters, meteorologists, were able to communicate really quickly changing weather to people in their communities. So meteorology and weather forecasting is a really technical and complex form of science that changes very quickly. So it can be very difficult for these meteorologists to communicate their findings to members of the public in a way that is understandable. And so some members of the team went and did ethnographic field studies in four locations of those field offices in the southeast during the tornado season. And they did interviews with the different forecasters, as well as sitting in on meetings and observing their interactions with different stakeholders. And so out of that research, we have published a couple different manuscripts in journals, really looking at how forecasters create relationships with TV meteorologists, who are the prime way that they communicate out their forecast. Also with emergency managers, which is a county level position. Those are the folks at counties who are responsible for sending out alerts, really coordinating services across the county in the event of a severe weather event. And how they also communicated directly with members of the public through their Facebook and social media accounts. So that's some of the research that I've just published recently. Other research that I've conducted looks at communicating the benefits and risks of prescription opioid use. And my earliest research probably focused on communication to influence uptake of the HPV vaccine. 
So lots of different health contexts that I've worked in, and I do both qualitative and quantitative research. It really just varies depending on who I'm working with at the time, whether the research is funded, and also follows sort of hot topics, if you will, in the field of public health. I think the one that I'm most proud of, the research that I'm most proud of, was actually the first study that I published. And that was in my first year of my master's with a fellow student. And we published a um, piece in Computers and Human Behavior. And that was a study that used data from a national data set. And we were able to put together a full model of how people's communication with their healthcare providers influences their satisfaction and health outcomes. And that's been my most cited research. Uh, And I think it's research that people are able to build off of in a programmatic, structured way. And so I think that's probably one of my bigger contributions to communication. And it was also my first published research. So let me ask you, I know you're kind of taking a detour um, this semester. How has teaching at SDSU been? Yeah, so it was very unexpected. I had moved back to Sioux Falls during COVID. I'd been living in a very small apartment in Capitol Hill in DC. Everything was shut down. And so I decided, you know, I'm going to take advantage of this time and go back to Sioux Falls and spend some time with my parents. So, of course, when I left D.C., I thought I'd be back within a month, you know, looking back on the whole COVID journey. I just I think we were all very naive. So that was in March of 2020. So I had been able to work remotely during that time. And I'd been, you know, just kind of looking to see uh, different opportunities for me to continue teaching while I was here in South Dakota. And I saw a position opening at South Dakota State. So I applied and it worked out perfectly that I was able to teach just one class per semester. And so, you know, I never, obviously, I didn't go to SDSU, but both of my parents our SDSU alum. My dad played football at SDSU. My mom ran track there for a couple of years and they met at SDSU, I believe in Benoise, the dorm. So uh, it's really kind of a homecoming in a way. I think both of my parents are thrilled that I'm teaching at SDSU and we're planning to go to one of the football games as a family later this semester, this fall. But it's been fantastic. So right now I'm teaching a graduate level course that just meets one night a week. And we're able to delve into issues of professional communication. So one of the really fun things about graduate courses is that I learn a lot from my students. They have very unique interests in communication is such a diverse field that, you know, you can never be an expert in all the areas. So I learn a lot about the different areas of communication from them and how those tie into the topic of professional communication. So I've really been impressed with the quality of students here so far. And I think the faculty have just been very welcoming. So it's been a great experience so far. And I'm really, really glad that it worked out. 
So your dad played football, your mom's a uh, track star. Do you have any other siblings with you? <laughs> I know you said you have a twin. Yeah, so I have a twin sister. She's five minutes older than me. She is a lawyer who focuses on white-collar crime. So her job, I think, is way more exciting, or at least way more exciting-sounding than mine is. So obviously we grew up together. She's back in D.C. now, but we, you know, she's the closest to me in age. I have a younger sister who is probably three years younger than me, and she lives in Minneapolis, and she is a consultant. And then I have a younger brother who is probably four or five years younger than me. He works in Sioux Falls as a property manager. So there are four of us kids uh, in the family and we're all pretty close, pretty close in age. We all got to be back in Sioux Falls and South Dakota a lot this summer. So it's been really nice to have them closer geographically. I had a family reunion a couple of months ago and it was just good to see everybody. I I have family that live all over the country. One's in Tennessee, one's in Nebraska. So it's just good that they all meet wow. again. So with your twin sister, is it identical? Yeah, we are identical mirror twins. She's left-handed, I'm right-handed. Our hair parts on opposite sides. There's a whole laundry list of things that I probably wouldn't even recognize. But so we are identical twins. We look very alike. Usually when I would teach at U Maryland, I'd have her come in and kind of throw students off a little bit. But yeah, we look very alike. Please tell me that for like one Halloween, you dressed up as like the Shining Twins. I just, I need to find out. We totally have. We (laughs) have definitely dressed up as the twins from The Shining. You know, my last name is Stanley. And so The Shining is set at the Stanley Hotel in Colorado. So my family has actually spent the night there. And we were all very scared. I don't think any of us really slept. So I've seen the movie many, many times. And we have dressed up as the twins from The Shining. That's amazing. Who do you think is your biggest inspiration? Oh, gosh. I think there's people that I have who inspire me in different areas of my life. So I I think my mom, of course she's done a lot of work in the community and just for our family. So in terms of, you know, inspiring me to put family first, she's a big inspiration. My dad is a psychiatrist and he's done a lot of work in Sioux Falls in behavioral health, but also in rehabilitation from drug use and helping people who are struggling with addiction, which has been somewhat of a focus of my research as well with prescription opioids and with tobacco use. So I really appreciate how he is able to take maybe the more academic basic research and apply that to make system level change by opening different hospitals and different rehabilitation centers and creating protocols. So I think for my own work, one of my goals is to be able to translate the research that I conduct into meaningful action that impacts at a system level. So not just those one-by-one interventions, which are fantastic and can be really meaningful in individuals' lives, but also thinking, how can we change things at the system level so that it's easier for people to achieve health and be healthy physically and mentally. 
And then, of course, in the more academic realm, my mentors and my master, my mentor was Maggie Pitts. She's still at the University of Arizona. And then in my PhD, my mentor was Anita Atwell-Seat. And so I think they really inspire me because their mentorship and advice when I was going through my master's and my PhD really helped me reframe what I was doing and the amount of time that I was spending pursuing these academic goals. And they showed me that you can really influence the life of a person through your work, through the day-to-day, just being there with them, being there to hear uh, what they're going through and offering advice. And I think they also inspire me to work hard. I think Maggie, Anita, and I all came out of the University of Arizona communication program. And I like to say it's the the hard work philosophy. So working really hard and, you know, just thinking about how I can impact the lives of the students that are in my classes. So having them as mentors has really inspired uh, the work that I do in academia. You have done over maybe eight years of schooling, I imagine, maybe more. I'm guessing you've had a lot of ups and downs. Yeah, I've done 10 years of school. So I've been in college for a really long time. Yeah, there's been some huge ups and downs. I suppose finishing my dissertation was really a struggle because I was collecting data and analyzing data and finishing up as well as teaching when COVID hit. And so the uncertainty of COVID and the uncertainty of what I was going to do after I finished my PhD really hit me all at once. And I think that can be a challenge for a lot of people when they're, you know, in college, what am I going to do, right? People are constantly asking you, well, what are you going to do with that? Uh, Which is a lot of pressure, Uh, not to mention the pressure that we put on ourselves. So I was in that position, you know, not sure if I was going to be able to finish my dissertation and graduate on time not sure if I would be able to continue teaching at UMaryland or if the campus would be totally shut down because of COVID. So that was a really low point. And I am really lucky in that I was able to fall back on my family and come home and have their support while I was going through that. And I also had the support of my mentor at UMaryland. But one of the things that I really just tried to stay focused on was the day-to-day. What can I do today? So trying to write for an hour, just trying to accomplish those small things and having faith that that would add up to something bigger. And also trying to keep my options open. So recognizing that maybe I had a lot of options. Uh, in terms of I could stay in South Dakota, maybe I could go back to Maryland. I had been applying for jobs as an assistant professor, but when COVID hit, those were kind of all off the table because of the uncertainty of the academic year and what that was going to look like. So, you know, that was still a possibility that I might be able to have a job in academia, but also that I would have to go back and continue to be a graduate assistant at UMaryland. And then um, 
I also was able to apply for a job in the federal government. So just trying to keep my options open and recognizing that the more options I had, the better, even though it could be overwhelming to think of all the choices that I had to make. So, and it did all, all work out. There's still a lot of uncertainty. And I know that's something you know, students today are facing, especially if they're, you know, in their second year of college, their first year might've been primarily or totally online, but just trying to go day by day, I think is what really helped get me through it. Our next podcast will be available on October 8th. This podcast is the property of the School of Communication and Journalism at South Dakota State University, which reserves all rights to its use. Music by Cody M. Johnson and Tyler Addison James is licensed through AMP Music.